But I feel like this is what I'm supposed to share with you because this is for you, just for you. This is, I've never preached this before. This is fresh manna, just out of my own devotion. So I hope that is a blessing to you. All right. The World Health Organization says and has declared that depression, stress, anxiety, worry, it's fill in the blank there, synonyms, is the number one health risk in the world today. In the world, more than AIDS, more than cancer, stress. So we need to deal with this, don't we? But Jesus is the prince of what? Peace. Is Jesus worried about anything? So do you need to be worried about anything? Then why are you? The most repeated common commandment in the whole Bible is fear not. Fear not. Fear is just a shadow of something that's already been dismantled and defeated through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, our soon-coming King Jesus Christ. Sometimes we create stress, don't we? We create it with our words. I could preach a whole sermon on just how we create wind and waves and storms with our own words of our own mouth. You got to watch your mouth. So there you go. Watch your mouth. Don't say anything if that's not really what you want. Here's a, here's a good rule of thumb, and I'll move on from this because I don't have time to teach on this today. But when you say something, it, follow it up with this phrase, and that's exactly the way I want it. That way you know if what you are saying is really what you ought to be saying. Ever heard anybody say, you kids are just worrying me to death, and that's exactly the way I want it. We can't pay our rent this month. That's exactly the way I want it. So if you can't make that statement after anything you say, then just hit the rewind button. Thank God he supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. We're going to not only pay rent, we're going to get our own place. Then we're going to pay it off. And that's exactly the way I want it. So just a little tweak can take you to a giant peak. So that's another sermon for another Sunday. So just took, took, put that in your little gospel pipe and smoke it, okay? <laughs> a lot of times we create stress and anxiety with our approach to life. And in short, that means that we don't give ourselves margin. Happy birthday, Chuck. This young man over here just had a birthday. So we, we know, we, we get all stressed and anxiety, we get mad at traffic, and you know, and, and we're telling people on Airport Boulevard, they're number one. But really, if we would have just left a little earlier, we wouldn't have gotten caught in that stress. Or your teacher at school or your professor is really not that mean. If you would have just started the assignment three weeks ago and they gave it to you, you wouldn't be stressed out right now. So a lot of times we create stress by our approach. Right? So turn to your neighbor and say, slow down, Turbo. <laughs> Sometimes we create stress by the input that we allow. Oh, I can meddle here. By what we watch, what we listen to, who we hang around. Did you know that not everybody deserves to be your friend? <laughs> okay. 
Sometimes we create stress by participating in the shame game. We're afraid that somebody's going to find out what we did and they're going to expose us. Listen, we've all, we're all uniquely screwed up in our own special way. And that's why no perfect people are allowed. And if you were to stand up and say, I struggle with this, I guarantee you a dozen of us would say, oh, me too. Okay, so don't even waste time with shame because that is just a demonic strategy to keep you oppressed. But again, these are all, I could preach on all these things, but today I want to get to something very specific. And I want you to know that anxiety and worry is the spirit of the world. So if you're participating in anxiety and worry, I'm not saying that those aren't real things, but they are not inspired by God or heaven. They are demonically animated and motivated. Stress is a feeling or emotion. Uh, uh, a feeling of emotional or physical tension. It can come from any event or thought that makes you feel frustrated, angry, or nervous. That's just the, uh, the uh, Webster's definition. Stress is your body's reaction to a challenge or demand. In short bursts, stress can be helpful or positive, such as when it helps you avoid danger or even meet a deadline. But stress... And worry are not the same thing. They're slightly different. Worry, that's allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble over and over and over again. It's like the negative version of meditation. Not Hindu meditation, but biblical meditation. Hindu meditation, Eastern meditation, is when you empty your mind of all conscious thought. I mean, you know most men meditate every day. <laughs> <laughs> It's a superpower. But biblical meditation is not emptying your mind of conscious thought. It's filling your mind intentionally with God's thoughts. That's biblical meditation. Now, so we have, we have a stress, worry, and then we have anxiety. That's a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior and often accompanied with panic attacks. What do you do when panic attacks? Because sometimes it does, right? Have you ever seen anybody have a panic attack? Or have you ever had a panic attack? I've personally never had one and, uh, and never will, but it, some people do. And I'm going to teach you today how to never have one again. We'll start with the scripture because the word of God is Jesus. This is Jesus talking to us today. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. Verses 6 and 7, and we're going to read from the New Living Translation. I like this verse in the New Living Translation. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry, be happy. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? So it says, don't worry about anything. Anything, but some things you're supposed to worry about. Not according to Scripture. Don't worry about anything. Again, what's Jesus worried about today? Nothing. We're going to tell you why in a minute. Then it says, well, what do you do? He says, turn your worries into prayer requests. Basically, he says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's already done. Now, if you would just live in a consciousness of what God's already done for you, you wouldn't worry about anything either. Let me just drop a truth bomb on you. You ready? Okay. Now, you might not hear this at the church down the road, so be sure and listen real clearly. 
God's already done for you everything he's ever going to do for you. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. So now you just have to, by faith, access everything that's at your disposal. Your problem, oh, I'm pastoring you now. You don't know how much I love you. I know that, but I do love you more than you may ever know. The only people I love more than you are my own wife and kids. I, I love, you're my, you're my sheeple. <laughs> and, I, and I, God's put a supernatural love in my heart for you. So I want you to know that. All right, so you, your problem is you don't think that you are worthy or that you deserve everything that he's already put in your account. You just have to learn how to make withdrawals. He's not going to heal your body. He already has. He's not going to provide all your need. He already has. He's not going to bless you. It says he's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You just have to learn how to make withdrawals. You're a trust fund baby. You just got to learn how to access it. I have good news for you today. It's not as hard as religion wants you to think it is. Amen. All right, let's keep going. That, that, that was just in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. You know, the only thing... It's interesting to me that Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing, casting out devils, healing the sick, multiplying food, and the disciples never asked him, Lord, teach us how to do those things. They never said, teach us how to work miracles, but they did say, teach us to pray. Teach us to do that thing you do when you go talk to your dad. Because we know that after you do that, then all this other cool stuff happens. Okay, so he, they, he said, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. When? Then, after you pray about stuff. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand with our natural mind. His peace will guard our heart and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Emphasis on that phrase, as you live in Christ Jesus. Paul said it this way in the book of Acts, in him we live and move and have our being. If you don't live in him, you won't move in him. And if you don't move in him, you won't be like him or have what he had or do what he did. So you have to shift your mindset and realize that when if I could peel back this natural realm and look at you in the spirit, you look just like Jesus. Amen. Which is why the devil gets so surprised whenever he defeats you. He's like, what just happened? Because you look like Jesus. Now, if you're a Christ follower, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are what the Bible teaches in the epistles. You are in him. You're in him. It's like I'm in these pants and in this shirt and in these shoes. Um, so wherever I go, they go. So when you are in Christ, then you're, that's why the Bible says, put on 
Put off the old, put on the new. There's a lot in scripture about that. Listen to this. This is Proverbs 12, 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. How do you get your heart glad? The good word of God. So to have peace, to overcome worry, you don't have to go to a day spa. I mean, you can. That's fine. But you don't have Some people think, well, I have to, you know, I have to create this zen-like atmosphere, and I have to have you know, a river flowing in the, in the background, and I have to have a waterfall, and I have to have absolute quiet. Shut up, kids. I'm trying to have peace. I have to have absolute. Turn that TV down. I have to have absolute. Oh, my God. My phone's ringing. Let me turn that off real quick. I got I to gotta have peace. I got to create peace. When peace like a river attendeth my way. You know, you can, you got peace on the inside of you already. It's already there. You just got to access it. So it's, it's like, have you ever heard of the cheese and cracker Christian? So there was a guy, he saved up all his money so he could ride the boat from England to America to the New World he saved up to get on this newfangled cruise liner and, and it took every penny he had. And so when he got on the boat and he packed cheese and crackers so he could have something to eat on the long three, four-week journey, however long it was. And it's not as fast as, as it is nowadays. And so, you know, every day he ate his cheese and crackers. He saw everybody going up to the dining hall and coming back and having fun. And, and so finally, the, when they made port, in New York, he was getting off the boat, and there was the captain, and the captain shook his hand. He goes, hey, I didn't see you at my table. Where, where have you been the whole cruise? He goes, well, I, I was down in my cabin eating cheese and crackers. I, I took all my money just to buy the ticket. I, I couldn't afford to eat any meals. And he says, all your meals were included with the ticket. So don't be a cheese and cracker Christian. You can go through this life as nicely as you would like to. It's all paid for. There's a seat for you at the captain's table. So get up out of your room, put the cheese and crackers down, and go get your filet mignon or whatever it is that you like. If you're a vegan, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> go get your Brussels sprouts. I like Brussels sprouts with my filet mignon. So, yeah. <laughs> worry and anxiety, they steal your appetite. They steal your sleep. Then you worry that you're worried. You ever done that? Oh, my God, why am I worrying so much? Your mind could be like a monkey jumping all over the place, up and down, jabbering, squawking at you. And some people, they have a hard time being alone with themselves. They, they, so they have to, they, they try to run away from themselves and distract themselves. And that's why you go to movies all the time. That's why you binge on Netflix. Or that's why you chase girls. Or that's why you drink too much. You just, you can't be alone with yourself because your, your monkey mind is just the going. And so, you, and usually these are compulsive thoughts and circular thoughts. And they go back, you're solving problems that don't even exist. There's a saying, a muddy, turbulent pool quiets itself when it's left alone. So just... Shh, quiet, quiet. Paul, uh, David said it this way in the Psalms. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. 
So how do you do that? How do you put your hope in God? And that's what I want to give you today. Science and research calls it visualization. A way of intentionally reprogramming your RAS, your reticular activated system. The Bible over 6,000 years ago called it meditation. So science is just figuring out what the Bible already taught us. I don't know if you'll just do the Bible, you'll be all right. People say, well, when, the, when science discovers things that confirms the Bible, does it give you more faith in the Bible? No, I already had faith in the Bible. It gives me more faith in science because they're catching up, man. They, they're still figuring it out. So let me give you an example of this. Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Joshua 1, verses 8 and 9. They'll put it up on the screen. Even if you're watching this online, I think they'll put a lower third up for you. But if not, get out your Bible and check this out. It says, the book, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So there's declaration. What you say has an impact on your peace and on your success. You got to make good, godly, positive declarations. Don't let this book of the law part, depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate. There's mindfulness and visualization right there. Meditate in it day and night. Why? That you may observe to do. So here's your taking action. So you have declarations, you have visualization, and then you have action. That you may observe to do. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Who's going to make your way prosperous? You will. God told you how to do it, and now it's up to you to do your part. What is your part? Positive declaration, speaking God's word, prophesying your future, basically. Then visualizing yourself in that future that God's word promises you. See yourself there. What's it going to feel like when I... Uh, pay off my car. Ooh, man, that's going to be, oh man, I'm excited. Go ahead and experience those emotions because it's already done. This is how you manifest what has already been made available to you. So you speak it, you visualize it, and then you start acting in accordance or acting as if. What do you mean as if? As if it's already done. You're not denying reality. You're declaring things that be not as though they are. You're not declaring things that, that are as though they are not. That's called denial. That's like saying, I'm, I'm not sick. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sick. I'm not sick. No, you are. But what does faith do? It acknowledges a higher truth or a higher reality. I know I have these symptoms, but by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. The health of God is on the inside of me, working its way on the outside of me. The life of God quickens my mortal flesh. So you declare a truer truth, a higher truth. You're not denying that you're sick. You're just denying sickness is right to stay in your body. I know what the doctors are saying. I know what my symptoms are telling me. But I know what God already told me. And that is his word is life and health to my, to my flesh and, and strength to my bones. You just start speaking what God. So you declare it. You visualize it. And then you start living according or acting as if it's called do the word of God. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. There's a whole another sermon right there. Not just success. God's will for your life is not success. His will for your life is good success. What's the difference? You can succeed at the wrong thing. Climb the ladder of success and then realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. So good success is when you succeed at your divine destiny, what God has created you for and created for you. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Are you strong? I don't feel very strong today. We didn't ask you how you felt. We're not feelers. We're believers. We believe God's word. So he says, be a command. Be strong and courageous. I was praying in the Holy Ghost on the way here this morning. If you don't know what that means, God has given me a heavenly language and I use it every day. And I was praying in the Spirit on my way here. And sometimes you you can interpret your own prayers. And the interpretation of my prayer this morning was, and I got it about the time I got out of my car this morning, and it was, um, Brave Kevin. I thought, ooh, that's good. Brave Kevin. Amen, I received that. Sometimes you don't feel brave, but you need the Holy Spirit to remind you that you are strong and courageous. Why am I strong and courageous? Because I'm so buff and I've been working out with Hiram? No. I saw, I saw the barbells he was throwing around the other day, and I just thought, I ain't going to go over there right now. You're big. But no, I'm not strong and courageous because I'm so buff and because... No, no, no. It has nothing to do with how tall I am, thank God. But it's a spiritual reality because I'm, I'm not just... I'm, you know, well, after all, I'm only human. No, 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 no. You're not just human. You're, this is human. You got a human brain, but on the inside, your spirit is wall-to-wall God on the inside of you. If you're a Christ follower, you're at least one-third God. You're not God, but he's in you. He's empowering you. He's an- it used to be a different spirit that was animating you. Now, that old spirit's passed away, and all things are made new. And all these new things are what? From God and of God. You got the life of God in you. There's an old song you sing. I got the life of God in me. I got the life of God in me. I've got his life, his nature, and his ability. I've got the life of God in me. That's true, you do. So speak that. I am strong and very courageous. So he says it's a command. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not yield to fear for one second, nor be dismayed. Don't be bummed out and discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, we have more than just God being with us. Now we have him in us. In Hebrews, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's good news. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9, it says, Therefore, humble yourself. Who does that part? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. Did you know? I had this thought yesterday. I was in the gym and I was lifting weights and I thought, is there anything too heavy for God to lift? You ever had that when you were a kid? Can God, if he can do anything, can he make something so big and heavy he can't lift it? You never had that conversation as a kid? Okay, I was a weird kid. So anyway, I was thinking yesterday, I was lifting weights, and I thought, was there anything too heavy for God to lift? And this thought came to me. Just one thing, pride. Pride's the only thing he cannot lift or exalt. So it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Why? So that he may do what? Lift you up or exalt you. That he may, and when does he do it? In due time. Come on, somebody say, my time's coming. Verse 7, here's a result of humbling yourself 
casting all your care on him for he cares for you. Did you know that when you're in worry and anxiety, it's just a symptom of your pride? So what do you mean? Because you're thinking, how am I going to take care of this? I have to do this. I have to overcome this. What am I going to do? You know, what, what letter is right in the middle of pride? And if you look at it, it's the exact same letter that's in the middle of anxiety. I. I. So casting all your care upon him. Why? He cares about you. He loves you. Be sober. I mean, that's good advice. You'll create a lot of stress and anxiety if you're not sober. (laughs) Why? You do dumb stuff. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil. Who's your adversary? Your neighbor, your coworker, your spouse, your relatives. Well, maybe. No, 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 no. No, your adversary, the devil. He walks about like a roaring lion. He's not one, but he acts like one. Seeking whom he may devour. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he's prowling around seeking whom he may devour. God is wanting permission to exalt you. Satan is wanting permission to devour you. Because he can't do it without your permission. Ephesians says this way, give no place to the devil. The devil doesn't have any authority in your life except what you give him. Because it's all been taken back from him. He stole sovereignty and authority from Adam and Eve. Jesus came and got it back. That's why the Great Commission says, first thing Jesus said, Now, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. I got it all back. And he says, Now, I'm giving it right back to you. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. So he gave her, he reinvested it back into us. He is a faith guy, isn't he? That's amazing. So your enemy, the adversary, the devil, walks around like a, seeking whom he may devour. What do we do? Resist him. Now, we've already humbled ourselves under the mighty hand of God, so now we can resist the devil. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What suffering is that? Let me put it to you this way. The birthmark of a Christ follower is a target on your back. Because the, the birthmark of a believer is the enemy is trying to take you out. Say, like, oh my God, I knew it. No, it doesn't matter. He tried to take Jesus out too. That didn't go so well for him. And you're in Christ. So don't worry about it. These same sufferings are happening. Did you know that India, the nation that I love, is now number 10 on the most persecuted uh, list in the earth as far as Christians go? One of our pastor friends was recently beaten. Um, so, but guess what's happening to the church in India? It's exploding. It's expanding. It's growing. It's like trying to, the devil's like trying to pour water on a gas fire. You ever seen that? It just makes it spread. So when you are at the center of your universe, you're going to be a mess. That's why humble yourself is Peter's very first directive in this passage. I think it's cool that God used Peter to talk to us about humility because that was not his strong suit in the beginning of his ministry. All right? So when you know who you are in Christ, here's our big practical application today. When you know who you are in Christ, it addresses pride and anxiety. When you know who you are in Christ, attacks of the enemy don't bother you so much. 
You're just used to the attack of the enemy. It's no big deal. But when you know, because when you know who you are in Christ, you also know that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. When you know who you are in Christ, you know that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. When you know who you are in Christ, you know that as he is in this world, so are you also. Not as he was or used to be, but as he is right now resurrected, glorified, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where you are. That's who you are. So when you know who you are in Christ, you know that you're the head, not the tail, above only, not beneath, and everything you put your hand to prospers. When you know who you are in Christ, you're not worried. What bill does a billionaire worry about? He's like, just pay it. But they're charging you too much. Ah, just, just pay it. I don't want to worry about the hassle of, of haggling. Just, just pay it. Right? So you're a trust fund baby. You're seated with Jesus in heavenly places in Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Let me read. This is, I want you, this is your homework assignment. I'm going to, I want you to meditate in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you. This is a prayer. I want you to pray this prayer for yourself. It's a prayer that Paul was inspired to pray by the Holy Spirit for the saints in Ephesus. I want you to pray it for yourself and feel free to pray it for me and anybody else that you love. In fact, you can pray it for somebody that you hate and God will change your heart for them. This is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints. Everybody say, I have faith in Jesus. Say, I love all the saints. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Why do we need to know that? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, God wants you to see something, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You can know what it looks like to be a part of Christ. His call, and participate in his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? And where is that? Where are, the, where are those riches? Where is that glorious inheritance? In the saints. Come on, somebody say, it's in me. It's in me. I like that Gatorade commercial. Is it in you? Yes, it's in me. And so there's more. And that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Who's the power toward? Those who believe, us who believe. According to the working, then he wants to clarify. Let me tell you what power I'm talking about. It's according to the working of his mighty power that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, dominion, and, if that wasn't clear enough, every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come, and made him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to us, the church, which is his body, the fillness that fills all in all. That's a mouthful. Pray that for yourself. And you'll start seeing yourself differently. It's not going to change Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but it'll change you. You'll, you'll start to so the more you know God's word, the more you get to know yourself. Because you're in there. Because Jesus throat punched death and hell and Satan came up out of the grave and says, I ain't worried about that no more. How many of you don't worry about a bully that you've already beat up and busted all of his teeth out? Not worried at all. 
That's why when the devil, he comes, he doesn't even have any teeth. You can just go, (laughs) like Smith Wigglesworth. He was a great man of God that lived, you know, 50, 80 years ago. And one night as he was blowing out his candle to get in bed, he, he looked over and there was Satan himself at the foot of his bed. And he went, oh, it's just you. And he went to sleep. That's about how much you need to be worried about the devil. Say, Pastor Kevin, don't say that stuff so loud the devil might hear you. Well, first of all, he ain't here. He's not omnipresent. And he's not in here. But even if I I said it for his benefit. Are you listening? Do you know who you are? You're a bad man. You have on armor. If you could see the way you looked in the spirit. I mean, you're a Jedi for Jesus. Second Corinthians 4, 4, 8 through 10, Living Bible. Let me hurry. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again, and we just keep going. These bodies of ours are constantly facing death, just as Jesus did. So it is clear to all that it is, not, that it is only the living Christ within us who keeps us safe. Say this with me. The living Christ within me. Come on, say it with me. The living Christ within me. Keeps me safe. Keeps me going. Amen. Psalm 55. This is the amplified version. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord. Release it. Let it go. Let it go. And he will sustain and uphold you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken, to slip, to fall, or to fail. It's a good promise, isn't it? Now, Jesus said... Take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, everybody back then knew the context of this illustration. Back then, they would take an old bull and a young bull, and they'd yoke them together. Because the old bull, he knew the field He knew where the big stones were, and he knew how the terrain lay. And uh, so he was a good guy, because he knew the lay of the land. He knew the voice of the master. But the young bull, he was strong. He was ready to pull. But he, sometimes he'd try to pull in a direction that he wanted to go. But that old bull would be like, mm-mm. And he'd, the young bull would pull against that yoke. And, and, and before the day was done, his neck would be all raw and just, just in pain. But the older he got, the more he realized, I need to cooperate with this yoke instead of pull against it. Now, we're yoked up with Jesus. And he's like, hey, hey, just just walk with me. I, I, I know the lay of the land. I know how the terrain falls. I know where the pitfalls are. Just walk with me. Follow my, I'm, when I nudge you this way, you just come with me. When I nudge you that way, let's just go that way. And let's just pull together because I'm pulling with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And then your neck doesn't get rubbed so raw. You know what I'm saying? You don't worry and stress. You don't live in stress and anxiety and fear and and tumultuousness. And, and no, no, you, you live a life of peace and a life of grace. One of the things that my friends and my staff have said about me over the last many years is 
One thing about Pastor Kevin is he's calm in a crisis. Well, why wouldn't you be? Because it's going to work out. But what if you die, Pastor Kevin? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of heading somewhere anyway. I mean, I'd rather not go right now. I've got stuff to do. But shoot, it's a win-win proposition. When you don't fear death anymore, it totally changes the way you live and the way you approach life. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. The number one thing that will relax you, you want me to tell you? Let me tell you one of my secrets. It's not a secret. It's not a glass of wine at night. It's not smoking a joint, you know, and nobody's the elders aren't around. I don't know why you want to smell or smoke something that smells like butt crack anyway, but anyway. That's the devil's plan for your life right there. Smoke this. Yeah. Anyway, not condemning anybody. I just want to tell you a secret. The, num the, the number one thing that will relax you, get, you in, get your mind right, get your perspective right, is worship. You come boldly into his throne of grace. Why is it the throne of grace? Well, number one, because we're allowed in there. Number two, when you walk in there, he takes some of that grace, he just starts rubbing it on you, giving you some of it. What does grace do? It enables you to do stuff you used to couldn't do. Come boldly before his throne of grace and just worship him. I honor you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I humble myself before your mighty hand. What might be too hard for me is, is anything too hard for God? Lord, I just submit to you, to your will, to your way. I love you, Jesus. You're amazing. And I just surrender to you. What would you have me to do? I am yours to command. And just start giving him thanks. Because you got a lot to be thankful for, don't you? Woke you up this morning. You're gainfully employed. Yeah, but I need a better job. Yeah, but you got one. Better's coming, but you got one. You don't live in your car. Something to be thankful for. You have a car. I understand. I drove the car that had rust on one side, no driver window, and it backfired every time. But I, I wasn't walking. I have walked. But just be th th well. If you're walking, say thank you, Lord. I got two good legs, Amen. and I got shoes on my feet. Amen. Always something to be thankful for. Tweak when you get in His presence, it tweaks your perspective. And what does that do? He lifts you up. He exalts you. Next thing you know, you don't have a rusted out, backfiring car. You drive it in something you can lean in a little bit. You know what I'm saying? No, you're not just renting a, a roach hotel anymore. You're, you got your own house. You, you'd be thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the fast forward version, but when you tweak your, your declaration, your visualization, and then your action, your worship. Oh, man. I'm telling you a key to abundant life today. If you've never gotten yoked up with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. All the stress just dissolves and dissipates. He's the prince of peace, and he wants to be the prince of your life, the prince of your peace. Would you let me pray for you today? Will you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name, we come upon, we come before, rather, your throne of grace. Never once have we come to your throne room and found you hiding under your chair. You're not scared or stressed about anything. And I just release that peace. 
to these, your wonderful people. If there are any here today watching us online or here in the room that have never made Jesus the Lord of their life, never submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, I pray that right now that the Holy Spirit, by your goodness, you would draw them to yourself. Now, I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, would you just join me in this prayer? I'm not going to make you stand up or wave, wave, you know, uh, wave at me or come forward, anything like that. But if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, come on, I want to pray with you right now. Say it with me, Harvest Church. Say, Dear God in heaven, I invite you into my life. I repent of my sin, and I ask you to save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Redeem me. I say, Jesus, you're my Lord. From this day forward, I'm yours. Do with me what you will. Conform me into the image of your Son. Fill me with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, friend, you were born again, translated out of darkness and in the light. Oh, wow. Welcome to the family of God. We want to...